everybody, welcome back to another episode of the SQ Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Sales, joined once again by multi-multi-time uh, guest now, Tommy Gallagher. How are we doing? I'm doing great. This is it. It is. It's finally Ohio State week. Oh, man, it feels good. It feels good, but it also it's terrifying at the same time because we've been waiting so long for this, and it can go so many different ways. Yeah, I feel like I was more anxious for last year's matchup against the Buckeyes, but I think that was just like the week one like going to the shoe, like everyone, mm-hmm. like you're just so excited. We're here. We're a couple weeks into the season, but still ready to go for sure. Yeah, it's a little different too because I think you know last year there's some desperation on our part because it's our senior year and we want to be great. You know, start of the Freeman era. Yeah, and, and you know, like I certainly, I mean, you know, I had very high hopes for last year's team, uh, and I was excited for Ohio State and I thought we could win. But even going in, there's still a little uncertainty just because we didn't, we hadn't seen any of football with Tyler Buckner or Marcus Freeman. We didn't really know what we were in for. And this time we've got a whole month's worth of games. We've got reasons to be optimistic. We've got reasons to have some concerns. Like there's a lot more data points to be had on both teams. Yeah, I think last year is also like we just had this vision of, oh, we're going to walk into the shoe. Marcus Freeman's going to win his first game as head coach. and Second game. First regular season uh, okay. game. All right, all right, all right. And everything would be good. But as we saw, that is not what happened. And the rest of the season did not follow that mold. No, I will be, uh, we don't need to talk too much about last year's game. No. Uh, I think one side of the ball, you know, like we probably will talk about because there's certainly a little more carryover there. Uh, but largely, I mean, you know, what do we really have to gain from talking about the uh, offense last year? You know, there's just nothing really that applies. Uh, so we'll just do a general overview here of what Ohio State is and what we're going up against here. So we have Ohio State has an 85% blue chip ratio, which is the uh, ratio of four and five star recruits to three star and lower recruits. Uh, and that is second in the country to Alabama. Very, very talented team. Uh, you're going to find these highly rated guys everywhere on the roster. There's not really a ton of holes, per se. Yeah, lots of NFL caliber prospects on their roster. Very deep in that aspect. Um, mm-hmm. You've got, obviously, some that are high top-end draft prospects and others who are kind of a little lower tier, but a lot of guys who are going to go in the first two days of the NFL draft. and. Yep talents there throughout the whole roster yeah absolutely and, and you know Notre Dame is certainly their talent ratio is, is getting close they're closing that gap you know bit by bit over time certainly Freeman has definitely done a good job of accelerating that uh you know still a ways behind Ohio State though and certainly even the uh the higher end talent that you're going to see on Notre Dame's roster is is in the lower classes that Freeman has just recently brought in not not that we don't have good players obviously that are upperclassmen but in terms of NFL prospects and the like, they're certainly going to be a little more younger on the team. Do you know what our blue chip is for this year? I think it's upper 60s, lower 70s. It's upper 60s. Like okay. It's upper 60s. But with Freeman, I believe the ratio is high 70s, something okay. like that. It might, might even be higher than that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not totally sure. Uh, so a gap has been closing. Right. Uh, you know, some right. people disagree, Definitely. but I don't want to hear about it. Recruiting has been good recently. We've got some good news. Right. But like I said, different, that's a different conversation. Ohio State, in uh, 29 games that Ryan Day has been the head coach, 25 and 4. They have lost to Georgia, who they were a missed field goal away from beating the playoffs last year. They got annihilated by Michigan. They got annihilated by Michigan again. And they got annihilated by Oregon. Those are the four games that Ryan Day's lost. That's not true. Those are just the last 29 games. So They lost to Clemson in the playoff. Yes. That was, okay. Still. Yeah. 25 and 4 in their last 29 games. 24 and 5, but yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah. You know what? It doesn't matter. They've lost four games in the last two years. Three years. Yeah, I'm losing it. Oh, Tommy, I'm losing it. Uh, all right. It doesn't matter. They're really good. That's my point. They're yeah. really, really good at football. That's my point. Please talk about how good they are at football. I mean, yeah, Ryan Day's kind of 
carried on the dynasty of a program that they've got from the Urban Meyer days and the talent is still there. The winning is still there. I think there is some angst in the Ohio State fan base and that if they don't beat Michigan, that's a problem every year. So they're kind of unhappy with their last two years. Their goals really every year are beat Ohio State and win a national championship. And they haven't fall, uh, they haven't gotten either of those in the past couple of years. So you've nope. got some unhappy people in Columbus, but they have won a lot of football games. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong because I, I may not be thinking back far enough. Oh, wait, no, because we didn't win the conference championship. But do we actually, in the Ryan Day era, do we have as many conference championship game appearances as Ohio State does? No. Have um, they made two? They made it in 2020. Um, I assume they made it in 2019. Right, they had. Okay, so right. they have one more. All right, that would have been a great stat. It's yeah. too bad that I forget he coached in 2019 sometimes. Anyways, Jim Knowles is their defense coordinator who coached at Oklahoma State previously. He is in year two. Uh, the defense looks pretty good. I mean, last year they, they did had a very good game against Notre Dame, and then they you know they kind of struggled against uh, Michigan. They struggled a lot against Georgia. Um, and they, they look pretty good. I mean, they haven't really played anybody that inspiring. They played Western Kentucky, Youngstown State, and Indiana, who doesn't have a good offense. Uh, but still, I mean, we know how much talent's on that team, and and we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, other uh, big picture things we have: uh, Kevin Wilson is out. He was our tight ends coach and offensive coordinator uh, for a long time. He's largely responsible, not largely, but he played a big part in helping them create that spread out offense that Ryan Day helped implement with Urban Meyer. Um, and he's gone coaching. Where is he coaching? I don't know. I just I just assume every, you would every, know that like every time I hear his name, I just think of former Indiana head coach Kevin Wilson, and let's just say that did not go well for him. Okay, he is the oh he's coaching at Tulsa. Okay, so that's where he is. He's not at Ohio State anymore, uh, and he is out. And Brian Hartline was promoted to offensive coordinator. However, he is not calling plays. This is still Ryan Day's offense. This is this is his baby. So largely, yeah, I, mean, I don't think anything's changing all that no, much. No, it's realistically just a change in title. Probably they're the pay raise. Mm-hmm. Brian Hartline is very highly recruited or touted just because he brings in all this talent at receiver. He coaches them well and is a very good offensive mind. Yes. This is the biggest game with Marcus Freeman era so far. Yes. I, I If we're going to talk big picture on stakes of this game, mm-hmm. this is the biggest game at Notre Dame Stadium with fans since the Bush Push game in 05. Yes. There's really not much contention for that. This game is massive. There's been... Can you remind me as a historian what we were ranked for the Bush Push game? Um, We were number seven or nine, I think. Okay. USC was number one on a massive win streak. We were either seven or nine. I want to say nine. Okay. All right. And we are, uh, for those that don't know, we are number nine currently okay. Notre Dame and Ohio State is number six. Yes. Yes. So obviously massive game. Um you know, huge stakes overall because, you know, Notre Dame loses and they probably have to win out if they want to make the playoffs. And Ohio State, if they lose, they would have to beat Michigan twice to make the playoffs. And they haven't beaten Penn State. And Penn State. They haven't beaten Michigan once in two years. Uh, They'd only have to beat Michigan once. Did they not get rid of divisions? Not this year. That's next next year. year. Okay. All right. But, I mean, I think if Ohio State loses, there is – Lots of questions being thrown around that program, whether about the trajectory of the program and Ohio State fans are going to say, if they can't beat us, how do they expect to beat Mm -hmm. Michigan and Penn State? Because both of those teams look pretty good this year. Yeah, absolutely. Stakes are, you know, stakes could not be higher, which is great. And this is also like outside of Texas, Alabama, this is the first game of the college football season with playoff implications, it feels like. So that's pretty cool. Uh, finally have some good games to look forward to. Yeah, I think there's also the aspect of these are two regional opponents who mm-hmm. don't play very frequently at all, and we haven't beaten Ohio State since 1936. 1936. So 
something everyone knows it's a really big opportunity and something that we can really come away with big benefits for this year, but also a lot of pride knowing that we were able to beat Ohio State and kind of get some more respect in that regard. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree with that. We've only played them eight times in history, right. which is just crazy. Uh, and, you know, I hate that teams don't schedule these big games like this more. Um, I think there was something with Woody Hayes. Oh, I'm sure there was. I mean, you know, we had a whole thing with the Big Ten for forever. Right. But um, I, I've actually, it, you know, people complain about conferences, realignment and everything. And I certainly have had my quarrels with uh, realignment. But, you know, in some cases it can be a silver lining and it'll increase matchups like this. Same thing with, like, the expanded playoff. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the argument that uh, these games become less special if they happen more often because they're still really important games. Like, Chiefs-Bengals has been fun every single time that they played, and they play once or twice a year. I don't have a problem with that. You see, might I, with see that. I was going to actually bring that up in the opposite direction. I knew, I knew you were going to do that. And this is where we do disagree. But, and, like, yes, it we got to disagree sometimes. Right. And, yes, it will inherently be special every time yeah. Notre Dame and Ohio State play a home-and-home -home series. It's two of the biggest brands in college football playing a rare matchup. But – I think part of what makes this game so big is knowing, as you said, if we lose this game, we have to win every game the rest of the way. If Ohio State loses this game, they probably still have to win every game. They could theoretically go 11-2, and win the Big yes. Ten. But in a 12-team playoff, like, if we lose this game, we just need to go 1-1 one one against Clemson, USC, and we're probably fringe playoff there. Like, I don't know, that aspect of the game goes away, but – we don't lose what makes college football special in terms of the atmosphere, the matchups, Absolutely. the history. Thank you for uh, being political about that, seeing both sides. It's good. You'd make a good media figure from one day. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So before we get into the specifics of each side, I think we need to just talk about the crowd, you know, get that out of the way. Cause it's a, it's a legitimate thing to to bring up, I think once or twice with Notre Dame football, cause uh, we've had in the past, we've had a couple of sellouts, you know, you go back to Nebraska in 2000, you have the fiasco with Georgia in 2017 and Cincinnati in 2021, while that wasn't really that big of a deal and it wasn't bad, it like some people tried to make it out to be more than it was. And but yeah, I mean, since it wasn't on the same level as Georgia, there, um, there were there were a lot of fans there. It was more Cincinnati fans than you would like to see. Yes. So I, you know, I think we need to. It begs the question of like, what's this going to look like? Um, we can kind of go back to Clemson last year as an example, though. I mean, that was a really big game for a top five ranked Clemson night game, and. Uh, I didn't Rare think it was that. South yeah, I didn't think it was that bad at all. I mean, they, obviously there were Clemson fans there, but Notre Dame was rowdy. It was loud, and the, I, I don't think the crowd was much of a problem at all. Would you agree? Yeah, you was, were there. We were both right. there. It was one of those things outside the stadium before the game. You're looking around and you're going, "There are a lot of Clemson fans." The horns just standing out. I mean, I remember the Friday before the game on campus. I saw a ton of Clemson fans walking around, and I'm thinking this might not be good. And once you're in the stadium, it really wasn't bad. They probably had thousand or two more than there were a lot of five thousand mm -hmm. um granted they didn't have much to get excited about no. because of how the game went i don't think we're going to see something quite like that no. but i also don't think we'll see something on the level of cincinnati no i think it'll be like 20 percent ohio state fans mm -hmm. i like i don't know this is one that i think Notre Dame fans finally are realizing the importance of this game and why this isn't yeah. something you should be selling tickets. Yeah, I'd probably say I'd, I'd probably put it a little bit lower than 20%. Um, I think the other big difference too for a lot of these games is that like Cincinnati uh, certainly is different because I mean, that was the biggest game in their in their program's history, right? But to that point, unless there's one I'm forgetting about. Um, but I mean, you go back to the Georgia game and, and uh, even this Clemson game that we most recently had. And 
there were not very high expectations for those teams. Right. And I, excitement was certainly could have been a little bit lower. Excitement was lower in the, for the Georgia game. Absolutely. By Notre Dame fans. And right now, like we, we have as high expectations as we have had since 2018, 2020. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not particularly, and it, you know, people may even be more excited for this team than before. Um, so I think there's more of a reason for Notre Dame fans to be invested at this point in the year that we've had. I think games. it can be really seen through the, excitement and anticipation for this game because think back to 2021 Cincinnati the week leading up to that game it's not like there was just non-stop chatter about the game and everyone's like oh this game has been circled on our calendar for eight months throughout the whole offseason it's Cincinnati people saw that and were like it wasn't circled early like right and we had still been circled yes. all off season. and we had still we had gotten off to a bit of a bumpy start in 2021 I mean you saw I mean uh, no one complained about those first three games more than me I mean, the Wisconsin right. game was a lot of fun, obviously, but still, there were there were some concerns lingering around that team. Uh, there are, are not very many concerns leading into this team, which, again, no. we will definitely talk about. Uh, we can also just, you know, kind of aggregate some of the information that we have learned uh, to uh, discuss. Pete Sampson wrote a, an article for The Athletic today kind of detailing. Uh, we hired a couple of professionals who uh, their job was to ensure, like, we put pro, uh, processes in place to prevent, you know, Notre Dame tickets from getting too out of hand, which, again, I don't think they would have anyways, but... Uh, they've dispersed a lot of Ohio State's ticket alignment, so they're not in one section. They're just going to be spread throughout the upper bowl. That'll kind of help with noise and everything. Um, they're putting LED lights on every single seat to make like a little light show thing that'll be really cool when uh, it's either we score and there's performances and stuff. Um, that's certainly something new. We've got everyone wearing green, and we've been hyping that up for a bunch of months. Um, they're, they're doing a lot to try and keep fans invested. And uh, I, there's also some stuff that I don't think you and I know specifically about with like uh, – ticket sales in terms right. of like how they can transfer and who they were allowed to resell them to things like that. I think it's going to be a very special atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be something that you're going to remember a long time. I think it's something that college game day in town is obviously huge. Yep. I think you'll have a ton of people from both sides coming to South Bend without game tickets. Yeah. And that's going to add to the festivities of the day. It's going to be a really good environment I think we could be wrong mm -hmm. about the Ohio State fans, um, but I really do have cautious optimism that it's not going to be bad. Yeah, I will say also, this is just a public message to a lot of people, specifically one person who's going to read this, who listen to this podcast, and he said this before, and he's going to worry about it again. There are going to be a ton of Ohio State people out on campus. You cannot freak out and assume we're getting taken over because there are going to be, like you said, a lot of people that are just going to be here just to be here. We know a lot of Notre Dame people that are doing the same thing. Yep. So a lot just, of people are going to try and get tickets late, but yep. I don't think they're going to so get just, sold on day. Especially to this specific person that I'm talking about who may or may not be on a plane when they're listening to this at like six in the morning. Relax. It's going to be okay. You're going to go into the stadium and it's not going to be a sea of red or scarlet. I can promise you that. They don't get the respect of scarlet. It's red. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. So I think that's about it with like the game and the, oh, also I forgot to mention this too. I have also talked to people uh, connected with uh, or familiar with like the stadium operations, ticket sales, things like that. They are not worried about an Ohio state takeover or anything like going into the Georgia game. You knew that it was going to be a problem. You knew it was going to be a problem or it's more of an issue for Cincinnati uh, based on everything that I've heard. It will be okay. In that regard. I have heard something similar through a connection. I have, we have sources. We got guys. Yeah. yeah. The, like more, the more people you know. Look at us. Good. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll start talking about the on-the-field stuff. First, we're going to talk about the uh, Notre Dame defense going up against the Ohio State offense. So uh, just before, you know, we talk about maybe the on-the-field matchup or the 
matchup between the two units. Uh, we'll just talk about Ohio State's offense, give a bit of a scouting report here. Uh, you and I have both borrowed liberally from uh, various scouting reports uh, across the the web. Shout out JV Uyama for being the most uh, detailed and uh, and well-written of all of those. Um, Ohio State has the best skill talent in the country. That is not up for debate. That is a verifiable fact. They have a top three pick in the draft this year in Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, they have Emeka Egbuka, who's another first-round receiver. They have Julian Fleming, who is a former five-star, who is a first-round talent if he couldn't stop getting hurt. Number one national recruit. Yep. Uh, you have uh, Travion Henderson in the backfield, who is very explosive and looks a lot more like he did before he had a serious foot injury last year. You have Mayan Williams, who is also very good and had a, how many broken tackles against Notre Dame last year. You have Chip Trainum, I think that's how you say his yep, last transfer name. Transfer from Arizona State. Yep, who's an incredible athlete and who has been largely, I'd say, their best running back the last couple of weeks. Like, or, yeah, or was the reason there. they won Indiana, it's a, it's at least. It's a three-headed monster. Yep. And then they have Cade Stover at tight end, who admittedly I don't know a lot about. And Ohio State doesn't typically use tight ends, but he does well for them. So they haven't used – they typically don't use tight ends. They've used them a little more this year. I think he had four or so catches in one of the last couple of games. They've used them a little more. Not a great run blocker no. is what I've read. Okay. But they used him a little more talented pass catcher. Okay. All right. And then uh, they have Kyle McCord, who is a first-time starter, former five-star, I believe. Yes. uh, In his junior season. Third year. Yep. Uh, And we see he has a very live arm. He's inexperienced. And he has, uh, you know, he's not a perfect quarterback. And we'll we'll get into that a little bit. But he certainly has all the physical tools uh, capable of of maximizing this skill talent uh, and what they can do. Uh, This is a very explosive powerful offense if you commit to the run too much to try and stop them they'll you know beat you over the top because they have these incredible receivers if you try and play back soft and prevent explosive plays they can run you over yeah mccord is a very traditional pocket passer he is not a dual threat at all he only has three scrambles on the year Mm -hmm. for a total of nine yards or something so he's not really a threat there and his numbers on play action are extremely extremely good which Mm -hmm. i think is a testament to if you're going to sell out on the run, they'll pick you apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a talented offense in that regard. Yep. I uh, should also note, I mean, their offensive line is pretty talented too. Uh, there are two guards. I don't know their names. They started last year and they're here again this year. Uh, they have Carson Hinsman is in at center. He's uh, a red shirt freshman, I believe, or maybe a true. He's a, he's a young kid who's a, a new starter at center. And then they have their two tackles. Uh, one of whom is a transfer from San Diego state uh, last name, Johnson. I don't remember his first name. Uh, I thought it was Simmons. I think it's Josh Simmons. Okay, perfect. And Johnson's the other one then. Um, and they, they've been a little up and down. Uh, and again, we'll get into that. But still, I mean, this offensive line has a lot of talent, a lot of physical capabilities. Uh, you know, all of these guys are on NFL radars, at least in some capacity. And, you know, they can they can block pretty pretty well in both yep. facets. The left guard's an All-American candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the interior three linemen are the strong suit. They're really good, really solid working together. Yes. The tackles have proven to be problems for them. There was improvement last week from them, mm-hmm. but how much of that is Western Kentucky? And we'll see how that translates to coming to a tough environment against more capable pass rushers. Yes. Um, so I feel like we, we might almost end up spending more time talking about any weaknesses that this offense may have than its strength, which seems stupid because their offense is so good. But like, what else do we have to say about like how how good you know those that skill talent is? Like they're so good, right? It's one of those things. Marvin Harrison is quick enough to go by you. He's good enough hands to catch it anywhere. He's big. He's physical. He'll line up anywhere on the field. There's really not much to say. They are explosive, mm-hmm. but they haven't. Hold been... that. Hold that. Hold that. Okay. 
So weaknesses first overall. Because right. um, again, overall, they, right? They're so good, and they and they have torch teams, right? Other than Indiana, I mean, they, yeah. Um, so the first thing I think we need to talk about is um, is McCord. Just overall, he is inexperienced. Uh, this is going to be his fourth game as a starter. And there are a couple numbers that he certainly, you know, hasn't looked as good as you would want a, a quarterback to look at. Um, he's been very poor on intermediate throws. I think what was the number six of 18, something Sounds like right. that. Um, and he's, his stats are very, very poor when he's been blitzed or pressured in particular, when he's been pressured, he's averaging 2.7 yards an attempt, which is obviously horrendous. Um, and he's not a runner. He is a statue. Like you said, he's only scrambled three times and, uh, and he hasn't gotten pressured very much, but you would think that when he does get pressured, there's not going to be a lot of uh, avenues for him to avoid that pressure. Right. That's a big thing. And then there was one play last week where he got strip sacked just because he held on to the ball too long against mm-hmm. pressure. He didn't get the ball out and didn't see the pressure from behind and turned the ball over. That's a play that can really change a game mm-hmm. when you're playing a good opponent. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then something else to talk about. I mean, they've got those three new starters on the offensive line who we mentioned. Uh, and, and Carson Hinsman has been fine. I mean, but, you know, he is a new center and there's going to be a lot on his plate against Notre Dame. It's a lot to ask, right? Uh, the tackles, I, I would say, are probably more of a weak point. I say that in quotations because yeah, they've still been pretty good. But um, they have struggled in run blocking against uh, – they did struggle in run blocking against Indiana. Uh, if you looked, I mean, they had a couple nice runs from Chip Trainum that really helped them put it away. But Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, they really struggled. Uh, they were not particularly efficient at all. And uh, none of these three teams that they played have, you know, and some people are can haven't been particularly high on Notre Dame's defense and front seven in particular. But they're, it's a better defense than they've played all season. Yes, absolutely. They have not played anyone that's challenged them like Notre Dame will. Indiana, mm-hmm. I'll give them some credit. Has They did a good a, job. And they, they have a decent defense. They have a decent defense. But is it um, Notre Dame or is it NC State's defense? No, yeah. it's, not. Um, it's not. But, yeah, it really is going to be, I think the biggest question is going to be, can Ohio State run the football? Yes. Yep. Um, I think uh, one last thing before you know we start talking about how Notre Dame matches up uh, with that. Uh, Ohio State is 94th in third down conversion percentage, which is obviously that's really not good at all especially considering, again, the, the quality of, of defense they played. Uh, certainly some of that is they haven't had to be in many third-down situations because against Youngstown State and uh, Western Kentucky, they can move the ball pretty much whenever they wanted. But they've had moments to convert on third-down, and they haven't really done such a good job so far. And some of that may be the offensive line. Some of it may be the court. It's certainly not the receivers. So that's something to watch going forward, too. Right, and I, I'm going to push back a little bit on that they've been able to get whatever they want against – Against Western Kentucky, they obviously yes. did. But yes. Youngstown State, they only put up 35 points. Mm-hmm. They scored touchdowns on five of their nine drives. Part of that's Youngstown State short in the game. But I don't know, five out of nine drives going for touchdowns against an FCS team when you're playing your starters for most of the game, that's not over-inspiring. And obviously, they've improved a little bit since then, and they're still figuring things out. But They've gotten behind the sticks. It hasn't been always as easy for them mm-hmm. as it out normally is. But last week did kind of go against that trend. Yes. Now, some of it was – I was a little interested by Western Kentucky strategy because Ohio State blew it open when Western Kentucky decided to start single-man coverage, using single-man coverage on Ohio State's receivers, which if you're at Western Kentucky, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you probably can't cover Marvin Harrison one-on-one. Or yeah. Just my take. Um, which obviously, uh, you know, not to discredit Ohio State, because obviously if you get that matchup, why are you not going to abuse that 10 times out of 10? But A, I think Notre Dame could uh, probably won't replicate that plan too much. And even if they did, they'd have a much more, a much higher success rate than yes. West Kentucky did. 
Um, all right, so let's compare the two teams now, right? The two units. So we've got Notre Dame's defense. Uh, DJ Brown is back. JD Bertrand also back. Uh, those Dave are Rubio back. Yes. Yep. I'm guessing he'll only play 20, 30 snaps. I don't think we'll see a full workload from him. I think it'll any, still be pretty impactful right, snaps. Anything so. from him will help because that's just the depth of the front yeah. seven. That and he had, he had a really great start against Navy. And yeah. I mean, we've been hearing great things about him all camp. Um, so, I, you know, first thing we'll bring up, though, because we'll talk about Gabe Rubio, certainly, in a little bit. Um, we got to talk about the secondary and the wide receivers, right? Because that's bar none. If you give up a ton of explosive plays, you're not going to win. That, that's, right. It's just not going to happen. Uh, if you look back to last year, this is uh, the same corner group, right? I mean, if there's anyone, I forget. Clarence Lewis is going to play a little uh, bit less at corner. Thomas Harper is back. Yep. Or is here now. Tariq Bracey is gone. Yes. Um, so, I mean, you're, so you're essentially, you're going from, uh, Tariq Bracey to Thomas Harper and nickel. Yes. Uh, I would think that Thomas Harper will play most of the snaps. So like Clarence Lewis got in more last year than he would this year at nickel. I, I guess think. we're also down, um, Brendan Joseph yes. and your favorite Houston Griffith. Uh, how do I want to be diplomatic about this? Uh, yes. Brandon Joseph and Houston Griffith are both gone. I think that the guys that are playing ahead of them might be a little bit better right for this match. but i mean Hart, Hart and morrison mickey, are both there mickey will morrison, be playing outside not inside this time that's something else yeah, too because Lewis. yeah it's it's largely the right. same secondary group and uh they did it they did a pretty good job last year against ohio state they gave up one explosive play for 33 yards and that was it and that was morrison as a true freshman i remember i was sitting with haggy up in that that very top row of the stadium and we looked down and we're like, oh, I wonder who that second corner is next to Camp Hart. And it was Benjamin Morrison. And my jaw literally dropped to the floor. I'm like, oh, my God, that's terrible. And then he was awesome the entire game. I think that was one of the more impressive uh, secondary performances I've really ever seen in their game. And obviously, and then a That was the best anybody loss, played them all season. Right. It was Stroud couldn't get comfortable. No. Um, nope. Stroud would look at multiple reads and not see anyone and – have throws that he just couldn't yeah. get it because there was covered. And I think our corners and secondary guys did a great job with closing speed. I think last year we did a really, really good job covering their receivers and not letting them be successful down the field. And I think that's something we need to replicate. Yeah, this absolutely. Year. Uh, you know, I, de I definitely think that, that it'll be more trying to prevent explosive plays. Uh, and, you know, they, they did a great job. It's not like, I, I don't want to say we're going to shut these guys down though, right? Because right. these guys are still so incredibly talented. They, right. And even if you look at all of their losses, those four losses that I mentioned earlier, the receivers still performed well in all those games. Some of it was because the game was kind of getting out of hand and they had to keep chucking it. But I mean, again, these guys have all the talent in the world. You, you cannot bank on, even against IU, I mean, I think Egbuka and Harrison combined for like 36 yards. You, yeah. you are not banking on that in this game at all, certainly. No matter how good Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart are. Right. And there's no reason that I think suspect that Ohio State has a massive advantage in uh, this matchup. And I've seen some beat writers and some other fan postings say that, oh, Ohio State's going to pick their name apart. And that's just not accurate, I don't think. Um, that's not my concern about this matchup. No, I think my concern about this offense-defense matchup is how does the front seven hold yep. up? And we'll get there. Um I do think uh, something else to point out just because, um, you know, I've just heard people talk about it um, and I don't necessarily think it's how it's going to go, but I don't, I wouldn't expect Benjamin Morrison to be shadowing Marvin Harrison no. just because Cam Hart is a much more uh, similar physical profile to Marvin Harrison. You know, he's taller and he's a little bit longer. I would expect Cam Hart to cover him. From, I mean, they'll do some zone and stuff like they're not going to have him and Morrison shadow the two of those receivers, but I would expect Cam Hart to be covering Harrison more. Yeah. So the other interesting thing on that I saw is, 
Harrison lines up anywhere. Yes. Um, so he's not always going to be on the field side where Cam Hart's going to be. He's not always going to be on boundary side where Morris flip those two. Flipped. Okay, my yeah. bad. Um, so it's really, and we're not going to flip corners with him. I don't think no, so. I it's so going either. to be not that. Yeah. Not, not to say that Morrison is incapable of covering right. Marvin Harrison. It's but. just going to be by committee. Yeah. Um, who's matched up on him. I will say that would certainly be something to watch. Like in terms of like concerns about the, the secondary is if say you put him in the slot and you have Thomas Harper covering him, that I would be a little more concerned with. Cause I think Thomas Harper's good, but I think the, the type of coverage that he does is certainly not slanted to. Right. Like and I haven't seen him match it up on a Marvin Harrison type yes. receiver. Yep. I'd, uh, I'd agree. Um, all right. So then uh, we can talk about the front seven now, right? Uh, we'll talk about the linebackers first, actually, because I think, it, you know, it's really important to discuss J.D. Bertrand is back. J.D. Bertrand is the leader of this defense. J.D. Bertrand is the one who sets all of them in place and makes sure everyone knows what they're doing. And we saw the loss of him last week led to a lot of sloppiness, I thought. Right. As you said, he's basically a coach on the field in the middle of defense, getting everyone in the right spot. And he's a sure tackler. He's not going to miss tackles. And that's something we saw this past week from linebackers miss tackles. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, we did. So just having him back alone is a massive yes. addition. Yep. Um, and even some addition by subtraction, uh, we've got Jalen Sneed who played, uh, what did we end up saying? It was like 25 snaps, something like that. And he didn't have a single tackle, had a couple of those missed tackles we were talking about. He will not be seeing the field as an off the ball linebacker. He will be a, uh, situational pass rusher, I would say, at the most, this game. At most. Um, I don't think he's going to play very much. No, I wouldn't expect I don't so think either. there's really a role for him unless we really think their offensive tackles are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, if you've got a third and long and he can fly, just right. let him fly. Because, again, McCord, like you don't – and we'll get to this talking about the pass rush. You don't need to worry about the contain with Kyle McCord. That right. is not something that you have to worry about. And if you can just let him pin his ears back, and then that could be a useful tool. But that's it. I do think the real key uh, in this game with the, you know, we talk about the run sport and everything. Maris Leofau, I think is going to be a real wild card in this game. Cause if he plays like he's continued to play that, I mean, that's exactly what we need. We need a guy who's going to just go and aggressively blow up gaps, blow up holes, get to that line of scrimmage, but also be in control and not over pursue or miss a tackle. I think you're spot on. He's really been aggressive this year in a good way. And if that continues, I think that's going to be very good for our, linebacker play in this game i would expect ohio state to try and trick him a bit i would think they're going to try and see if he'll bite on play action Mm -hmm. maybe make him go cover someone on a screen or something i think they'll try and confuse him a bit to maybe slow him down a step yeah absolutely no you're completely right i mean and and he struggled last year right i mean the whole season and uh, against ohio state especially in the fourth quarter they were able to run on us pretty easily uh the linebackers you know didn't do as good of a job um, so that, that's going to be a big key, but obviously also if we're talking about South and the run and everything, it's got to start with the defensive line, right? Yep. So, uh, we have Gabe Rubio back, which is great. He will be, uh, the backup for Riley Mills. And I, I mean, it's unfortunate that he's not healthy because I would think in some ways he's probably the better matchup play than Riley Mills, given how Riley's played the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Rubio is a really big body, mm-hmm. um, who's aggressive and you want a big body like Rubio in the middle of the defense. And yeah, that's a better second team lineman than what Heinish. Yes. Uh, that the size difference there alone yeah. and experiences. Yep. Especially to, um, you know, Ohio state, they do a lot of their, their running is a lot of zone reads where it's more like they have their block set up and it's on the running back to find the right hole and shoot through there. And it's important for your defensive lineman to just occupy as much space as possible and try and plug those holes and uh, make the running back take too long to make a decision. And he's a perfect guy for that in a way that Donovan Heinish really isn't. Right. And, and, and frankly, Riley Mills has never been all that good at it. 
anyways. They'll also try and stretch the field yep. horizontally on the run game. And that'll be a lot of the linebackers, like right. we said. Because yep. um, that's how they get their big plays, because they're very fast running backs. And if mm-hmm. they get in space, look out. Um, yep. And but, that'll be another test. Sorry to interrupt you, but that'll be another test on uh, Jordan Patello and yep. uh, JJB. Who, I, who both have done a good job, I felt like, this year on setting the edge and, and making sure that running backs don't really get too far outside. But, you know, going into this year, that, that wasn't really something either of them were known for. So it's, it, they're going to be asked a, a lot of to, to do that. Right. If we can make them go a little more up the middle in their run game, that should work out better for us just because there's more traffic and that's not really their strength running the ball. Mm-hmm. They like to get outside and get five, six yards on stretch play rather than a power yes. fall forward like yep. Audric does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, nobody does power runs like Audrey today. Who, again, we will get to, believe me. Yes, yes. All right, so, I mean, and also we got to talk about the pass rush, right? Uh, It's kind of refreshing in some ways this week because, as I've been saying to you every single week that we've done this podcast, this is the first quarterback that we've gotten to play who doesn't run the ball. And you don't really need to play contain. Um, So it'll be interesting to see kind of what the pass rush looks like with just four. Um, because we, w- we will be sending blitzes, and, and I'll bring that up in a little bit here. But uh, can Jordan Patello, can JJB, can they can they get around the pocket and, and make McCord, you know, make a mistake or, or sack him? Can Riley Mills finally start shedding blocks and, and kind of blow up the pocket like he's supposed to and he really hasn't done? It. You're right. You're absolutely right. I think it comes down to a big part of this game and the offense versus defense especially is going to come down to who wins their offensive tackles or our edge rushers. Mm-hmm. If – because that's the thing, is we just talked about their tackles have been considered a bit right. of a weakness. And our pass rushers are unproven. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some talent there, obviously. There's some things to like, some things not to like. But if they show up and get by the tackles, it could be a long day for McCord. Yeah. Getting them behind the chains will make them one-dimensional, which should play into our favor. Yes, I would I would completely agree with you. Um, I, I will also note, though, because, you know, you and I have talked to people and they've been worried about the pass rush. And certainly, I, you know, um, we haven't gotten any sacks or anything uh, too many, but we've been getting good pressure. And, it, it, you know, we've been sending blitzes a lot and that helps, too. Um, and you don't want to blitz every single time against a, a team like Ohio State because they have these outlet receivers to throw to who will burn you. Right. That's that's just how this works. But at the same time, we've seen that uh, McCord overall has been poor when he's blitzed. Um, and I maybe you'll disagree with me, but I feel like. There's, I feel like there's some reason to believe that we haven't really seen a, a very complex blitz scheme from Al Golden this year so far. Um, I mean, he's blitzed a decent amount, um, but it hasn't been anything overly complicated. And and I don't, I don't want to say that he's been saving everything. It, that just doesn't seem fair. But I think given that the uniqueness of McCord relative to the guys they played before, I think there might be some I would think we'll see some different stunts than mm-hmm. what we've seen. I don't know how much creativity Golden really has that he hasn't showed. Um realistically as long as he doesn't dial up a safety blitz yeah i don't really want to see too many of those i'll be happy if i see third down safety blitzes dialed up i i will say though i'll be upset i will say i will feel slightly better about that with harper being the nickel than mickey because mickey got abused how many times was that last year in particular giving up freshman yes that was i didn't i didn't really care for that from al golden i gotta say but his first game and that's gonna be a play call that always sticks in my mind yeah that was not very fun was it he did something similar against nc state yeah, and third and long a couple weeks ago so yeah, just if we tear that page out of the playbook mm-hmm. we'll be good but i don't i don't think it's it's uh, a mortal sin to blitz a decent bit no. against mccord because no, like we said he, he hasn't proven that he can he can handle that um, and if, again, Maris continues to play the way that he's playing and JD blitzes the way he's been blitzing, we've got very effective linebackers. To I do agree. That. I agree. Um, 
So I think that'll, that'll be a big thing. It's just, can we make McCord as uncomfortable as possible? There's going to be a lot of pressure on the defensive ends and the middle linebackers to make that happen. So that is, uh, that's the defense uh, and the offense. Um, well, again, we'll, we'll do the big overview at the end, but like, I, I think this is, this is going to be a competitive matchup. I really do. Yes. I, I think that the defense probably deserves a little bit more credit than they have been given so far. I think there's a relatively even matchup in the receivers versus the secondary. Mm-hmm. And I, think I mean, you have to, you have to give the edge yes. to the receivers, but, but we've seen the secondary compete very, very well. And relatively compared to pretty much anyone else in the country, this is about as small of an, of an advantage as Ohio state can have in the secondary. Yeah. Also, one more thing to talk about too, because again, the tackling, the penalties have been a bit of an issue. I don't like the last two games have been, they've just been sloppy, but not in like a sloppy and like they've been committing penalties because they had to type thing. Like they've just been dumb penalties. And that hasn't really been the MO for Freeman in the two games before that. And last season, I I don't think that's just who this team is. Maybe maybe they'll prove me wrong, but the penalties aren't really something I'm worried about. And the tackling, I mean, again, they didn't have JD and Carter has struggled a little bit. Like throw, throw central Michigan out. Like, because even in spite of some of those missed tackles, all the like the the run efficiency and all that, we've still been really really good with that. I agree. I the, especially the run tackling, we aren't going to see Antonio Carter play barely at all. I honestly would be surprised if he plays more than ten snaps. And um, I would think Snead will probably not be in a position to tackle a running back this right. entire. Game. And Kaiser will play some, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those three were really big spots that yep. were concerned. Yep. And then in regard to penalties, I had this nugget kind of say for a bigger overview, but this seems like a good time to throw it in. Nerding, we're averaging 50 yards of penalties a game. Mm-hmm. Ohio State is averaging 48.7 yards a game. So oh, that's a good nugget. They are also a penalized team. They've had holding penalties on the O-line. They've had uh, hands to the face on the O-line. They've had They've got one DB who's had a couple PI calls. Yep. A lot of this game could come down to who commits fewer penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, both teams have been highly penalized so far, so minimizing those could be a leg up. Yeah. I do think there's also something to be said for, you know, this is Notre Dame-Ohio State. This is the biggest matchup of the season so far, I would say. I mean, maybe Texas-Bama, but Texas wasn't as highly ranked as, as we were going into this game. Um, and they'll give us the best officiating crew that we've got, right? And we have certainly dealt with just some horrendous officiating crews the last couple of games. Uh, so I think that'll probably help clean up on both sides. I don't think Notre Dame and Ohio State will be as penalized as they have been, just by nature of the type of game and, and things like that. I do think there is something to be said that this road atmosphere could be tough for their O-line being a little more inexperienced. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. Likely having to go silent count, mm-hmm. maybe get a false start, just confusion, yeah. just a little more pressure on them. Yep. Uh, that's just an innate, abil- uh, innate advantage of being the home team. I agree. All right, let's talk about the other side. Ohio State's defense versus Notre Dame offense. So, uh, like we said again, quick scouting report on the defense. Uh, this Ohio State defense is really good and looks very strong. Uh, Jim Knowles has a tendency to kind of uh, his defenses ratchet up in year two as they get more comfortable and uh, and they really understand what he's asking them to do. Uh, they're very fast. Uh, they have a very strong line in a rotation. Jim Knowles is very, very aggressive, and he loves to, uh, you know, make people sweat and make them make decisions that will end up uh, in turnovers. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they've had a, a lot of highly touted defensive line talent the last couple of years, and, they, and they've got a lot of highly touted guys this year. Uh, they have Jack Sawyer, and they have G- JT Tuimalau. Tuimalau is how I've been saying it. We have JTT on the defensive line. Um, and they're Paul. both 
They're both highly regarded. Oh, yes, they have bad. Hall. Uh, they have another guy, not Hendrickson, uh, another interior defensive lineman who's very stout. Um, in the secondary, they have uh, – well, in the, in the, as a linebacker more, Tommy Eichenberg, brother of Liam Eichenberg, cousin of Liam Eichenberg, brother, brother of Liam Eichenberg, who started out a little bit rough for them a couple of years ago. But last year or so, he's had a really, really strong turnaround. Veteran player. Yeah. Um, I think they kind of figured out what his strengths are and what his yeah. weaknesses are, and they've let him play to that very well. Um, Steel Chambers. Steel Chambers, linebacker. yeah. Yep. Um, Lathan Quick, Lake. very, very good side to side. Not as much in the run game, but yeah. Uh, they have Denzel Burke at corner, who I believe is going to be a first round pick or projected yeah. first round pick. I, I hadn't heard too much about him before this year, but he's having a really, really strong start to the year. Um, uh, yeah, just I, you know, really great team. Jim Knowles has coached these guys up a lot. It certainly looks like a lot better units than they had the first couple of years uh, that Ryan Day was there. Yeah, I've got two other guys I'll mention. Um, Sonny Styles. Um, ah, you beat me to it. Yeah, people know the name. He's true freshman this year? Or no, he's a retro freshman, but okay. he should be a true um, freshman. He yeah. uh, Yes. yes. Um, very highly touted recruit. Plays a kind of safety linebacker hybrid, which he's been doing very well in. Um, and then while I'm here, I'll mention Lorenzo Styles. But he he, yeah, I do not think we'll be seeing Lorenzo <laughs> Styles in this game. Yeah, so thank you for bringing Sonny Styles up because that's actually a perfect segue into like the specific scheme they run. They run a 4 uh, 2 which means they've got four down defensive linemen, they've got two off-the-ball linebackers, and they've got five DBs. But it's really uh, – it's a, a big nickel, we call it. Uh, Patriots used to run it all the time. They still do uh, with three safeties uh, because Sonny Styles is a safety, right, and he can cover. But he's also really big and really fast. So he's essentially that third linebacker while you still have all that coverage ability you get from an extra safety. So it's a really effective uh, – he's a great chess piece for them. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's the defense. And then uh, some weaknesses they have are uh, – their defensive line is interesting in that it's very highly touted and they've done some nice things. But neither of uh, Jack Sawyer or JTT have a sack yet this year. Right. Uh, JTT has gotten some pressure, certainly. But, uh, you know, the, the finishing still isn't there. And Sawyer has been quiet to start the year. Yeah, it's really interesting because there's a big similarity in Ohio State fans' reaction to their D-line and their team fans' reaction to – are the line exactly. in that yes. both teams are very unhappy with the sack numbers. Ohio State has five sacks on the year. As you said, Sawyer and JTT have zero. Ohio State fans are saying, oh, we need to get more pressure. We need more sacks. And the beat writers are trying to say, look, it's actually been fine. They're getting pressures, much like the same thing with Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. It's almost like a certain uh, media pundit who has a podcast has been saying that too. Yes. I wonder who does that. Yes. Oh, so a lot of similarities there, which I find yeah. very interesting. Yep. And they're certainly, they're both a little inconsistent, sometimes weak, you could say in the run game, you can yes. run at those guys a little bit and, and you can, you can make some headway, um, which uh, we'll talk about uh, certain people coming back from injury for us that I think that's going to help a lot. Um, so that's important to note. Um, and, and some of their defensive backs are a little inconsistent in the run game too. Uh, but, you know, they have Tommy Eichenberg, who's great in the run game. He helps out with that yeah. a lot. Um, and one of their slot corners, uh, nickelback type guy, is very, I don't want to say very poor, but is poor in coverage. Um, yep. Got beat by Western Kentucky last week a couple times and then yeah. didn't play much after. But we'll see if he plays the field. If he's out there, I'm guessing we'll try and go after him. Yeah, uh, it's not just him. They have like Lathan Ransom, one of their uh, safeties. Their, their safeties. Yeah. Yep. And they have a, a, another nickelback or two. And they, they both, they're, they're a little bit soft. Certainly. Tommy Eichenberg is also it's soft in coverage, I meant to say. Yes. Not that they don't work hard or anything like that. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg, also not really a coverage guy. He's a downhill dude. Very, um, he, very good defending run. Though. Yes. If you catch if you catch him in the in the right pass plays, though, he, he you can you can get some yards on him. Yes. Um so 
That's uh, and it's a very aggressive defense. I mean, this is just how Jim Knowles plays. Like he's very, very aggressive, and you'll see a lot of run stuffs and, uh, and negative plays. But you also you'll see some more explosive plays. Whether it's you miss a run blitz and they can get a you know like a thirty yard run down the field, or they send a blitz and then you send a you know you get a hot route going, you can get a bigger play down the field. Think about um, he wasn't the coach for this team because he he had left by that point. But the Oklahoma State team in the Fiesta Bowl that Notre Dame played, uh, that was his defense. Yes. And uh, think more specifically about Jack Cohn. Uh, at the end of the second half, or the, the end of the first half, was able to hold the ball for a little bit when a large blitz was coming at him. Chris Tyree went down on touch for a 50-yard touchdown. Things like that. Like, that happens with, with Jim Knowles' defenses sometimes. Right. And the two comments, I'll kind of tie in with that. Um, first, you talked about they like blitzing. Last week, they didn't blitz as much. Last no, week, they, did they not. tried the pressure with three and four, which worked out against an underwhelming Western Kentucky line, but... They said overall, Ohio State people are saying overall it worked out pretty well that they didn't have to send five or six to get pressure. Yeah. I will say, though, some of that is um, Western Kentucky's their whole thing is they're based on speed yes. and quickness and Quick just passes. They, they know what they're doing. They're precise and they're going to get to their spot before all the other CUSA teams are. I mean, Bailey Zappi broke yes. all the records, right? Did he not? Austin um, Reed, very good quarterback. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it, they it's, get the ball out. Yes. Kind of a run and shoot type. Yeah. Offense. And they try and run out to the outside and everything. Ohio State's guys are all way faster than everybody yeah. Western Kentucky has, and they're all way bigger too. So it, I think that was just a bad matchup. Right. Which again, Ohio State deserves credit for just correctly being like, we can just kind of do whatever we want to you. And, and that's their fun. defense has been very, very good this year. Yes. Granted, they haven't faced any really special offenses, obviously, no. but they have done what they were supposed to do. They, it it has certainly looked apart. It has yeah. looked apart. Absolutely. Um, so now going into the matchup. Uh, Notre Dame's going to want to go heavy here, right? Because this is what yes. Marcus Freeman and Gerard Parker want to do. And this is this is what this team is built for, right? I mean, we've got a mauling offensive line in the run game. Uh, you know, certainly you can complain about Rocco and Blake and Carell in some instances. And we, and we will talk about some of their shortcomings in a little bit here. But their run blocking prowess has not been in question. And with Audrey Estime, like, you're going to want to pound the ball as much as you can here. And Ohio State's going to load up for that run game too. Yes, I think it's... Very interesting in that capacity in that I expect we'll play a lot of 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. Yes. Which um, is why it's also key, again, sorry to interrupt, but Mitchell Evans is back from yes. injury and he will be here. And I think that's a huge asset for him. I think game. he'll be stationed next to Blake Fisher for mm-hmm. a lot of the game, helping Blake and yeah. uh, Rocco out over there. And that's going to be something that needs to be better than last year's matchup. Last year, I think we averaged three yards of rush, not even against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. That obviously won't cut it. Now, part of that is... They knew we couldn't throw the ball, so they were kind of completely selling out this year. We have Hartman, yep. who if they sell out on the run, will be able to yeah, pick them apart. Absolutely. Um, and you know what's interesting, actually, that I hadn't thought about is Evans didn't really play against Ohio State because Kevin Bauman was still healthy. Yes. And, you know, Kevin Bauman's a good tight end, but I think Mitchell Evans has proven he's a force in the run game. I mean, yes. he was he was incredible against Clemson as that second tight end, just kind of moving people. Very um, Brock Wright. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, so they're going to, they're going to want to go 12 personnel a lot. And, and, uh, one thing that, uh, a, a lot of these other teams that have beaten Ohio state have done is they've gone heavy and Ohio state has gotten run over. Obviously the defenses are a little bit different now, but these teams have been able to stay explosive within that 12 personnel. They've been getting big plays despite having not, you know, four wide receivers out on the field, which is uh, something that I still think we're capable of doing, uh, because we have a good quality run blocking offensive line. Uh, I, I think you are going to see some plays get blown up a little bit more. Like Central Michigan kind of did the same thing where they sold out on the run game. And you saw a lot of like one to like two yard rushes where it didn't really feel like we were doing a ton. But then you also had a couple like three or four like 30 yard runs because if you miss or Audric makes a play, then, you know, that leaves you susceptible to those. 
Georgia and Michigan, both in their wins last year against Ohio State, had plenty of big explosive touchdown plays. Yeah. And I would do a lot of things to see Audric running free like the Michigan running backs did last year. Yeah, but absolutely. You dig deeper in those numbers and look at some of the advanced stats. Both Georgia and Michigan had a lot of plays that went nowhere. Yep. There was a lot of boomer bust in those games. And, and it's, by, it's by design. It's right. by design. And that's something that is very, very frustrating as a fan to watch. But you stick to it, you, you should get a couple of those big plays. Yeah. So obviously the blocking is going to be important like we've talked about. Um, and, and I think they, you know, the Ohio State's defensive line is very good. But the Notre Dame's offensive line is also, you know, pretty good. And run blocking, at least, it's very good. And uh, but I, I do think there's going to be a lot on Audric to make some plays on his own, though, because, uh, you know, we've seen he has, is it 44 broken tackles through four games, which is just absurd, by the way, just crazy. Um, and he's going to need to make a couple more because he's going to have to be able to there's going to be times where there's a hole that gets plugged up and he's going to have to find a way to get a couple yards. Right. He's going to have to have a good productive game. He's going to need to have good vision and. I mean, this isn't really much of an ask from him, but he needs to be physical. Yeah. Um, I don't think we'll see a ton of the other running backs. Um, I, I just think it's a big ask. You know, um, Jabron Payne has been good and effective when he's been in. but like, He'll get a handful of carries. Yeah, but like, do, do you want him on like a third and one? Do you want him to be the running back? No, you want Aldrich in this game. Uh, Price, you know, is still on a bit of a snap count. Um, and, and I'm sure he'll get a couple carries here and there. But last week, it felt like they scaled his workload back even a little bit further than they yeah. had been. So that might just be a sign of, you know, they want to keep keep him careful and, you know, make sure he's not doing anything too crazy. Uh, and Jeremiah Love, um, you know, has shown a lot of great things. Really haven't had anything to complain about with him, except his pass pro. But um, even, you know, between the tackles, um, it, it's just a lot to ask against his team. He's a true freshman who's not a experienced back between the tackles. Uh, you know, maybe we can try and get him the ball out in the flat a couple times, but I, I wouldn't really want to get him a ton of carries up the middle. No, I think you'll see him maybe as a couple snaps here and there, try and get him in the pass game, maybe get yep. him in space. And then yep. if all goes according to plan, could I see him coming in sometime in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter and trying to find the hole and have a big play? Yeah, because yeah. that's when Ohio State's been worn down in their losses in the past couple of years. Yeah, what was it? I think we saw like the the early third quarters, they've given up a lot of big plays in those games that they've been losing, um, which I don't know if that's a, it's a halftime thing, a coaching thing, or just like a scheme thing, but that's certainly something that they've been susceptible to. Um, it's interesting that you brought that up, though, at the end of the game, because um, I, I would almost be interested in trying to find a way to keep Audric maybe not rested, but, you know, like uh, – in good spirits throughout the game, because I think the fourth quarter is really when you want him to be at his meanest, at his, his most willing to just bowl people over because every defense is going to be tired at the end of these games. And if you've got a guy like Audrick who can wear people down, it's pretty big. Me and Mayan Williams did the same thing to us at the end of the game last year. And they have a lot of depth. So obviously it's not going to look like it did against central Michigan where their guys are getting hurt every other play and then can't tackle them at all. But it does take a toll on your body to tackle Audrick estimate. 20 plus times in the game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think there is something to be said for if he's ready to go in the fourth quarter, that can be a big X factor. Yeah, I completely agree with you. All right. And uh, then we, let's talk about the pass game. Uh, we got to start with, I think, probably the biggest concern, which is the right side of the line, pass pro. Are they going to hold up? Uh, you know, we've seen Rocco is he's, you know, he's still pretty raw in that area. He's still learning how to get his feet set, get his hands in order uh, and, and just, you know, keep moving the right way that he's supposed to. Um, and, and he's given up a few pressures. Uh, Zeke Correll uh, has been fine largely, but I mean, you know, we saw against Ohio State last year, he struggles a little bit with some of these bigger guys sometimes. He's, he's a little undersized and 
call in the middle of their defense at D tackle is one of the best defensive tackles in the country. This yeah. is going to be by far the toughest matchup for Zeke Carell yep. this year. I think there's also something to be said for it too. I mean, Carell, I would think is largely going to be on his own. Whereas last yes. year, you know, you had Jarrett Patterson and Josh Lug, two very experienced uh, college guards. Patterson was out for the OSU game. My mistake. Yep. Um, Christoph, yep. as well, still much more experienced than Pat Coogan and, uh, Rocco Spindler. Yes. Uh, and it certainly would be a little bit easier. You can rely on those guys. You can communicate with them a little bit better. And that same chemistry, I don't think is really going to be there, nor is the, the quality of player quite there yet with, uh, you know, Rocco Spindler and Josh Logan pass pro. Um, and then, you know, Blake Fisher is a bit of a wild card because um, he's been up and down this year. Um, you know, he's had moments where he's been really good and he's had a couple very loud misses that um, I, maybe make the perception a little bit worse than it should be on like how he's played this year. But he's had a couple beats in pass pro that just, they worry you, especially in a game like this. He got beat pretty consistently last weekend, yeah. which I thought was odd. He had like one drive in the particular in the third quarter. That was right. really, really it was poor. a little confusing because that's not the Blake Fisher that we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another, as I said, when talking about the Ohio state offense versus Notre Dame defense, that's the edge rushers versus the tackles, or I guess in this case, the D line against the right side of our line. That's going to be a matchup that really is going to impact how the offense versus defense goes here. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, we, you know, Sam Hartman is, as we've seen, capable of escaping and uh, continuing to make plays, keep, keep his eyes downfield despite the pressure. Uh, but you don't want, you don't want him to be, you know, like in the turf all games, he keeps getting hit while he's throwing. Obviously that's just not a recipe for success at all. And if he has time, he's been, really really good so i really if you can give him a clean pocket let him move around someone's going to get open mm-hmm. I, absolutely um and so let's talk about the pass catchers now um to me i think that the the wins for notre dame here are going to come in the middle of the field um yeah. like, like we talked about ohio state's uh safeties and nickel guys are a little bit weaker than their outside corners and i think we've got guys to take advantage of that i mean chris tyree has been great through the, the last couple of games. I mean, he's had a big play pretty much every single game. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to need that speed. Jaden Greathouse also, like, clearly reliable. And Notre Dame trusts him. I mean, we saw him. He was the intended only target on that fourth down conversion last week. He's got a couple touchdowns. Um, I think it's going to be a big day for those guys down the middle of the field. I think Chris Tyree in particular is going to have a big game. I think he's going to be a bit of a tough matchup for the Ohio State secondary. And yeah. I also think we'll see a good number of screen passes, whether they're halfback screens or if they're going to be tunnel screens going into the middle like we've tried with great house flores had one that's the thing i was i was going to bring up flores actually because i think uh, flores is clearly of all the guys on the roster he's got the most quick twitch like side to side movement and if you want to keep the very aggressive jim Knowles defense honest you're going to want to be able to get off some plays like that and i think flores might be the guy to go to in that situation i agree and some screen plays will kind of keep them honest a little more and it does if they come too hard there's going to be a lot of green turf Yep. In front of them. So. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Uh, something that maybe worries me a little bit is, you know, outside of Flores, our guys are more like either deep speed or they're more just like strong contested catch guys. Um, they, they don't, they're not necessarily very sudden. Tyree is. Tyree's not side to side. There's more okay. of a point. Tyree, Ty, Tyree obviously has that deep speed yeah. he, and he'll just, he'll just destroy it. But um, when Sam, let's say Sam Hartman is getting blitzed by extra guys and uh, they're single covering every single receiver we have. And we, we need someone to get open almost immediately, create that separation. Like, do we have a consistent guy that can do that? And, I, you know, I think that's certainly just a bit of a question on how the offense is built. But, you know, Sam is good at buying time. And, and 
I think that he'll be able to alleviate that somewhat. But that, that is, that's what I would say is the biggest concern in terms of this, the pass catchers. Going along with that, it will be interesting to see if Ohio State is physical at the line of scrimmage with the receivers because mm-hmm. nobody has tried that with us this year. No. And if you're physical and then you blitz, that leaves a big play possibility, but it also leaves a Hartman has nowhere to throw the ball. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's something that will be interesting to see how it's Ohio State plays it. Yeah, it's going to be a really big test for Gerard Parker, you know, because this is this is the biggest game. And certainly, um, you know, he's done a good job, but he's he's kept things simple through these games, uh, you know, with the exception of NC State when he kind of dipped into his bag a little bit with his uh, plays around stays. But, you know, how much how much uh, have we not seen that is going to work? You know, like what like what uh, Jim Knowles is going to adapt because Jim Knowles is a great coach and that's what great coaches do. Is Gerard Parker going to be able to adapt when, uh, you know, Jim Knowles makes his move and then punches us in the face? What happens then? Um, there's someone else who I wanted to bring up who I think is going to be really important in this game, but it's uh, failing me at the moment. Anything for you? Um, going along with just Parker and his play calling, wonderful Seymour three running back sets this week. That was a one play thing last week and something mm-hmm. we haven't really ever done. Yeah. In- so maybe that's something that tries to play, get their linebackers confused and get our guys in space, but We'll see. I, I think Parker's going to have a good game plan. He's shown yeah. some good creativity when needed this year and seems to have a good grasp on what our strengths are and where weaknesses yeah, are. Absolutely. I also just remembered, by the way, what I was thinking of. Uh, Tobias Merriweather has now had two games in a row where he's really shown his ability to catch the ball and fly. Yeah. And, uh, and, and even more so against Central Michigan, I mean, he showed he can catch with his hands if you put him in spots where he's got to make a play like solidly and like play through some contact. And he did that. Um, and I think that's really important. And it, can we see him do that? Like, is he is he going to be able to help make uh, the Ohio State pay for overcommitting? Is Ham Hartman going to be able to find him over the top? Because if he can do that, and that's why having Chris Tyree in the slot, and we know he's a big play guy, also helps. Because if you can have two of those vertical threats on the field at the same time, that does change the compli- the the, uh, the shape of uh, Ohio State's defense. Much in the same way that, I mean, Notre Dame is never going to be able to fully play up on the line of scrimmage against Ohio State because they know that, you know, that they can get torched over top at any minute. No lead is ever going to be safe if you start doing that. I don't think we've talked enough about it in this segment, but Sam Hartman, he is going to be, should be very, very good. Um, You look at his numbers that he's put up when he was at Wake Forest against Clemson. Every year he throws for yards against Clemson. He did not have, it's not like he picked apart Duke and Pitt and Louisville, and that's why his numbers are so good. He was very good against Clemson when he had those matchups, and he kept Wake Forest in those games. He is not the reason they lost those games. Um, I think that's something that we kind of overlooked here. Hartman is the better quarterback than McCord. There is not a mm-hmm. question in anyone's mind about that. But it's not even just that. It's that he's he's in a very he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Right. He's very experienced. He's been in these games and he's produced. So it's that's going to be a huge advantage for our offense, I think. Yes. Sam Hartman last year against Clemson in uh, double overtime was 20 of 29, 337 yards and six touchdowns. And then Any interceptions? No, no interceptions. And let's see. He played them in uh, 2021, and he was 27 of 43, 312 yards, one touchdown, one pick, sacked seven times. That's not great. No. That's not but- great. That's also a bad offensive line. Oh, yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Um, and then let's see. Um, he didn't really get extended playing time against them much other than that. But, we, I mean, we saw he's had plenty of big games over the years, and he showed up. I mean, he's played in an ACC championship game. He's played against Clemson. He's played all these night games. He's played in very hostile environments. And, uh, you know, like I, 
I think that he's he's the the leader that we need that we didn't have for the offense last year, right? I mean, think think about the difference between Tyler Buckner's first ever start was on the road at Ohio State right. against a good defense. That is that's hard. That's really hard. hard. It's a very difficult position to put someone. And Sam Hartman is going to be in this game at home, and he's how many years older than Tyler Buckner? Four years older than Tyler Buckner, at least. And and, and played you know just eons more snaps and has so much more experience. It, 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 the off the complexion of the offense is going to look a lot different. And he's also year. a better matchup for an Ohio State. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As I've been saying to people I've talked to, if you assume everything else from last year's game is the same, like. Everything else is the same except for the quarterbacks. That plays into our hands. Last year, they had a Heisman candidate quarterback. We had a guy make his first career start on the road, and we were in the game for three quarters, lost by 11. This year, they've got a guy effectively making his first career start. Mm-hmm. Save that. Actually, save okay, that. Save that. That'll be, that'll be the end of the – that's – yeah, we'll get there. Getting ahead of you, sorry. Yeah, you are getting – yeah, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Um, I, you know, I, I said I don't want to talk about the Notre Dame offense too much last year just because it's so different. But I think in, in some ways it's it's educational to to look on the differences because, I mean, the offensive line uh, could certainly struggle a little bit uh, this week, this game. But I certainly wouldn't expect it to struggle nearly as much as it did last year because last year that was very rough, that Ohio State game. And they, they've already proven that they're playing a lot better than that so far, even if they're going to have some problems, which I think they will. It, it's going to look a lot better than that. And Hartman is more equipped to deal with that problem in the first place. Right. The left side of the line has been very good. And just having four games on your belt as a unit mm-hmm. is massive. Yeah. Always the first game of the year for an offensive line is almost always the worst for pretty much any team in mm-hmm. the country. Offensive yeah. lines get better over time. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when at this point we've got three guys who are multi-year starters yeah. on the line and they're in between them are sandwich first year starters. That's pretty good mm-hmm. in terms of experience and cohesion. Yeah. And like we already said, I mean, they're going to be under siege less just by nature of having Sam Hartman back. Yes. Yeah. That's going to be huge. Anything else about the offense that sticks out to you? I don't think so. Yeah. We didn't talk about Jaden Thomas once, which I feel a little bad about, but I just think he's going to like, he's going to be the boundary receiver. He'll be covered by Denzel Burke. I would think, uh, I, I just don't think the outside is really something that we're going to be testing. Like I, I don't want to be throwing to the boundary. Their all the time. speed is really good. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, he, and Hartman may not have all the time to get there. Like, I, I really think that this is just going to be the middle of the field. This is going to be downhill running. That's that's kind of where I'm seeing things. Yeah, you don't want to get, much like their offense, you don't want to get in space against them mm-hmm. where it's in space tackling because they're faster than you going outside. Yep. Um, we won't have many stretch plays. We'll do a lot of power runs with Audric like we always do, mm-hmm. and I think over the middle is going to be yeah. good. And that's kind of why I kind of like Greathouse in this game because he's a physical, strong receiver who I think is, is going to be a little bit different than what like Ohio State's secondary is really built for. It'll be interesting, too. Do we run to open up the pass or do we pass to open up the run? Because I think both could work. I think it'll be running to open up the pass. I would think so. That that's what's beaten Ohio State in these games. Yeah. Like the games that they've been losing. I mean, Oregon had you know Anthony Brown, who's not really much of a thrower at all. They were they were committed to running the ball. Michigan, the last two years, has been committed to running the ball. And I mean, they didn't really get a ton of explosive plays in 2021, but 22. I mean, they were starting to get those yeah. explosive plays. Yeah. And I don't even think McCarthy did a really good job of throwing those balls. He had a couple of coverage busts. Deep yeah, and that was like Ohio State. Clearly, they they started shifting once yeah. they were getting pounded in the run game. They moved up, and then Michigan made them pay, which is real. That's that's all you need, right? And, and even then, again, I think some of those could have been housed even like it, it could have been even more devastating than some of those plays were because 
Sam Hartman wasn't the one from the football. Right. You know what and I mean? I think Stetson Bennett had a couple explosive pass plays, but they also ran the ball very well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. So, I, I mean, is that, that's uh, that's probably all we have to talk about the offense, right? Yeah. Let's just talk about the whole game now. All right. So, we'll take one last quick break, and then we'll just give our basic overview of the whole game. I apologize to anyone that's listening to this in the event that you can hear our other roommate just munching on some popcorn in the background. I don't think you'll be able to hear it. But Skinny pop. If I, worse. If I, okay, take it easy. There will, be, there will be no skinny pop slander on this podcast, but if I can hear that munching in the background, there's going to be problems when I listen to this. It's my, you know, my general quality control. So we'll see. I, I, we'll see. All right, verdict. Here we go. Tom, I have agonized on this. Get, get out of here. Go away. I, I have been thinking about this game Literally, in the context of what I'm going to say on this pod, literally for six days. And, and I, it's been, sometimes it's been like three in the morning. If I'm just up, not doing anything, I'll start thinking about it. If I'm like trying to actually get some productive things done, like it, it'll just crop up into my mind there. I had not been able to figure out what was going to happen in this game at all. And for a while, I, my gut was telling me that we were going to lose. And this was before I really dug into the data and, and just kind of my process. And, and I was... Uh, I was looking for the things that were going to show me why Notre Dame was going to lose. And I was, I was thinking about the offensive line. Uh, I, I was thinking about uh, the, the pass rush, maybe not being consistent on the lines, things like that. Um, but at the same time, I mean, this game is going to be, I think it's going to be one of the best games of the year, the, the, like for any team. These are two well-coached, smart teams. Neither team has really turned the ball over much at all. We have turned the ball over once. Sam Hartman's fumbled once against Tennessee State. I uh, lost the fumble to Tennessee State, too. Did we? On the kickoff. Technically That's right. Yep, you, we did. All right. But you know what? That was targeting. I'm not counting it. We've turned the ball over once. Once offensively. Year. Ohio State also doesn't turn the ball Kyle over. Kyle McCord has thrown one pick. And, and strip sacked last week. And so he's turned the ball over twice. And that's it. These teams are careful with the football. Yes. Uh, and, you know, and they're still ca- and they're still capable of taking risks and making explosive plays without doing that, which is yes. very impressive. Uh and Marcus Freeman has years under his belt now. Ryan Day has been a coach for, what, four or five years. Al Golden has been in the league for a long time. Uh, Jim Knowles also been a coach for a really, really long time. Gerard Parker, Brian Hartline, both a little inexperienced. But, you know, I'd say they're on pretty equal footing in that regard, not that Brian Hartline has the same role as uh, Gerard Parker. Both of these teams have veteran players that have been playing in a lot of big games like this. Both of these teams have guys that have never seen this before. It's just a really, really tough game to take a look at and definitively say, I know how this game's going to go. Yeah. I mean, just hearing you put it like that, looking at how it's all lined up, it's two very, very similar football teams, Mm -hmm. strengths in similar spots, weaknesses in similar spots, similar questions, both well coached. Um, It's yeah, it's going to be very, very evenly matched. Mm -hmm. And as I kept digging and I kept thinking, I just, I, I, I knew, I knew there had to be some answer somewhere. And maybe there isn't, maybe there isn't an answer. Maybe it just comes down to, does Audrick fumble the game one extra time than he's supposed to and that's it. Maybe it does just come down to that. Maybe it does. I don't know. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. The stadium is going to be loud. We've talked about it all before. Notre Dame Stadium Services, the athletic department, everything has been set up. There's going to be, that is going to be a Notre Dame Stadium. And there's going to be people that are going to be loud. They're going to be excited. They've got these LED bracelets. They're going to be giving people strokes or seizures if they're not careful enough. You know, so, like I, I'm actually, I'm mildly concerned about that. Just like looking at like, am I going to like, are my eyes going to start hurting? If we score a touchdown, like, whatever. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
But it's going to be a very tough environment to play in. Kyle McCord is playing his fourth career game. And the toughest game he has played prior to that is against Indiana, who, look, they had a tough, they have a decent defense, but is at Indiana, is that a tough environment to play in at all? Not at all. No. It's going to sound like a library compared to their name stadium. Yeah. Kyle McCord hasn't played in a game like this. These stakes have never been higher for anybody on this team. Anybody on either team. No, that's not true. So Ohio State's played in a national championship. For most of these guys, like this is uncharted territory for a lot of these players. And it's going to ask a lot a lot of Kyle McCord to keep his composure when the crowd is getting this loud, when you have two new tackles who have been a little inconsistent and you might be under pressure, you might get blitzed. It's It would take a superhuman performance for him to stay calm, composed, and make all of the right plays that he's, he needs to make given his experience. It just doesn't really happen for guys that, that are that big. Not that he's not going to make nice plays, but there's going to be mistakes in there. We haven't seen it consistently, too, from him. The IU game, he really struggled in his first career start. That's kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Even the next two games, he was better and showed improvement in each of them, but he was not perfect by any stretch in either of those games. No. And you know what? They're going to be able to run the ball, and they're going to they're going to get a couple explosive plays. Like this, Again, this is what Ohio State does. Notre Dame can even do a good job defensively, and it's still not going to matter. And I don't think that Notre Dame is going to stop them at all. Like, I don't think we're holding them to 13 points, right? Nobody does that. Nobody does that. But I think that the defense is going to be able to make enough plays to give the offense a chance in this game. And maybe it's like, maybe I've been approaching it the wrong way, but like the more I thought about it, I feel better about what the defense is going to do than the offense. I Like we've seen what this defense can do against an Ohio state offense that had the number two overall pick at quarterback with two tackles that are now also playing in the NFL. And they did a pretty good job at Ohio state. Yeah, they ended up giving up some points, but they held Ohio State in a way that no other team did that entire season. I, I'm kind of with you, but I also – I don't know. The fact – the front seven concerns me um, just because we haven't seen them play up to their potential this year. So that's a big concern there. And I just feel like the offense is going to be consistent. I think when you have a Sam Hartman at quarterback, that's something that really – helps you know that things aren't going to spiral mm-hmm. um, where I do think there is a very real scenario in which Ohio state just runs the ball down our throat. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's overly likely, but it's definitely something that could yeah. happen with a no, you're right. chance. And you're right. They run the ball down our throats. It's going to be a long night. You're right. You're right. And, and that has definitely been something that I've thought about, but even still, even if Notre Dame gives up more points than you would like them to, they, they're not going to just roll over. That's not what this defense does. That's not really what they're, you know, they're more talented than that. And I don't think Marcus Freeman ever really coaches guys like a team that is capable of just flopping like that. Right. Even against USC, we were, it took, we lost three corners in that game. And that, and that was what finally did us in. And we really let the floodgates open. So even if we give up like a couple touchdowns, we're, we will. we're, we're going to make some plays though. They're going to, they're going to get a couple stops. And just the more I thought about it, that's all we need. I think that the offense is equipped to make some really nice plays against Ohio State's defense. I agree. I think their defense, while it has been very solid this year and is getting lots of praise from, and rightfully so, from fans, media, I do think their defense is a weaker unit than their offense simply mm-hmm. because of the talent. Their yeah. offense's, offensive upside is so high, and they can – I mean, Harrison – and can just go by you at any time where the defense, while it's really solid, it doesn't scare you. 
No. And um, like we said, would they have they have established weaknesses against a run at certain positions. Right. And we want to pound the ball down their throat. Yes. And we now also I think we've seen just enough from our playmakers that they can make some of those down the field plays. And Sam Hartman is going to find those every time. Yes. I mean, last year they had Stroud who made these great third down plays and Hartman's capable of making those. Yeah. Meanwhile, they now have a guy making his first or second road start, which we had last year. And yeah. I don't know. You can, we saw last year how that impacts a game. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's certainly, there's some concern with, uh, with the protection on that right side. Yes. And is Sam Hartman going to have enough time to do what he needs to do? But I, I just don't, I, I, I think that both teams in that regard have some questions like that. Like yes. there's, there's just enough doubt on either side of the ball for both teams where you're like, okay, well, if things were to go badly, here's where things would go badly. I like, yeah. I really think both teams have those weaknesses. And at the end of the day, what is the difference outside of those weaknesses? And that is one team has Sam Harmon at quarterback and the other team does not. Yes. This is a football driven sport or obviously this is a quarterback driven <laughs> sport. Um, this is a court. At least I caught it. You this did. is yeah, a good save. Good save. quarterback driven sport. Um, the team with the better quarterback will almost always win. Mm-hmm. Um, granted turnovers can change things, but the talent is close enough that the better quarterback at home should work out. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, if you play this game even later in the season or maybe at a different venue, maybe I'd feel a little bit differently, but Notre Dame is at home with Sam Hartman at quarterback and Ohio state is breaking in a quarterback who has not played in an environment like this before in his life. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference. And and when can we have said that as Notre Dame fans, when was the last time that, Notre Dame had in a big game like this decisively the better quarterback. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I was uh, I was discussing this with some, someone else, and I was looking back on it. You'd probably have to go back to like Rick Meyer. I mean, could you count twenty twenty Clemson? But like that's because T Law was out. But even then, book it, it, I mean, DJ book had the best game of his life against Clemson. Yeah. DJ was still better. Right. DJ was true. still better. That's true. Because that's just how good DJ was in that yeah. game, which. I, as I've said before, I think that is the greatest quarterback performance I've like ever seen in my it's life. There, um, quarterbacks matter, and yes. I, I genuinely think that the margin uh, or the the gap between these teams is close enough where the quarterback difference wins out in the end. You agree? Do you disagree? What do you think? See, I've I've been thinking about this a lot, and if you had asked me before this. Central Michigan game last week and before Ohio State took care of Western Kentucky looking as good as they did, I would have said something almost outrageous in that saying it wouldn't have to be close. Yeah, but, but also ultimately is are, are those two games really needle movers enough to make a difference? They shouldn't be. But I think there is enough concerns we saw last week, and I think Ohio State showed that they looked – against an inferior opponent, obviously, but they hadn't shown it in the prior weeks. They looked more like the Ohio State that we're used to seeing. Yeah. I, yep. I think the keys are going to be who runs the ball better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think whichever team has a better run game will be in great position. And then going along with that is just which team's offensive line questions hold up better. Um, that will probably lead to the answer, but mm-hmm. not always. Um, that's going to be big. Penalties, both teams are highly penalized. If one team gets penalized heavily and the other doesn't, that could be an impact. And then it feels dumb to say turnovers, but 
turnovers in a game like this where the margin is slim really do make a difference, yeah. especially when both teams don't turn the ball over much at all. But that's what I come back to, too, is, again, in this in this game, in this moment, when you have Sam Hartman and you have Kyle McCord, who we talked about has struggled when he's been pressured or yeah. blitzed, who's more likely to turn the ball over in that scenario? Yeah, I'd that's that's just what probably the court. Um, Which I also I want to make clear. I don't, I, am I sounding too much like a homer here? I don't know. Like I genuinely like I, I couldn't figure out who's going to win this game for a long time. And if, and if someone tells me that Ohio State they're going to pick Ohio State to win, I think that's perfectly reasonable and and would not find that outrageous at all. Here's all I've what I've got it down to. I've been thinking about this. I've been seeing things and seeing how this could go and. All I know is this game is going to come down to the final three minutes. I think, I think I something is going to happen in the final three minutes. I don't know which way it's going to be, whether it's a last-minute turnover seals the game, whether someone scores a touchdown, whether someone kicks a field goal. I don't know if it's going to be Notre Dame. I don't know if it's going to be Ohio State. I really just – that's what I think is going to happen. This is going to be a close game, probably scored in the upper 20s, maybe low 30s and somebody's going to win on a play that's made in the final two, three minutes. Mm-hmm. And some people are going to be very, very happy, and others are going to lose a lot of sleep. Yeah, that uh, that, that could be a rough night. That could be a rough night if uh, if Ohio State wins that game I'm for a lot of people. I'm hoping it's for our visitors coming from the mediocre state of Ohio. Yes, yes. Uh, you, you don't want to give me a score? You got to no, give me I, something. I, Come I, on. I, I, I'm going to refrain from predictions. You're not even picking a game? Oh, my goodness. All right. All right, fine. I don't like predictions. I will say I've asked other people for their predictions. I've farmed them out. Uh, Most people I've found are going to pick Ohio State to win, at least is is generally the sentiment that I've gotten, which, again, fine. I'm not going to detract from that take at all. But at the end of the day, like I said, we got Sam Hartman. I think this team is really good, and I think having Sam Hartman matters. I'm going Notre Dame 31, Ohio State 27. I, w- I like it. I'd be very happy. I would also be very happy, strangely, if that was all the help. <laughs> Vince, what do you got? No, he's just going to sit there eating his popcorn. All right. Well, I think that's it, Tom. I th- this might be our magnum opus. This is an hour this and like good. 20 minutes maybe of uh, content. That's lot. pretty good. Yeah, but you know what? I think that's a testament to our ability to talk ball. Yeah. If you say so. Maybe we can do it again sometime. We will be – Sunday, I will be having – of reaction pod to the game as I normally do. It may be very exciting and it may be a joy to listen to. It may be miserable to listen to. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, I will be having uh, our mystery guest who was supposed to be on the pod last week. Uh, He was not able to be there because of uh, some scheduling issues, but he will be back. uh, And uh, I have uh, forced him to come on the pod on Sunday. He has no choice. So he'll be here. Uh, Tom will, Tom will be here. I'd like to think. You gonna, you're gonna yeah. be available, yeah? Or are you only gonna be an only if we win? Kind of. No, game? no, I'll do it both ways. Um, That's the thing I'm kind of curious about because we haven't had to do one of these after a loss yet. Right. So. I all I know is Saturday is going to be a very, very, very fun, stressful, long day, and it should be a great one. I couldn't agree with you more, Tom. All right, that's all we got, folks. We will see you on Sunday. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you then.